Welcome or welcome back to Both Sides of the Barricade. I'm very excited to introduce our guest this week, Allie X. She is a singer-songwriter and visual artist. She just released her song Glam last week, and her album Cape God, which came out last year, was one of my favorite releases of the year. So I'm very excited to meet her, and thank you so much for being on, Allie. Thank you for that very nice introduction. Of course. I'm like, I'm so excited. I've, I've been listening to you literally. I'm a senior in college. I've been listening to you since I was like a sophomore in high school. So this since is really I was fun. born. I've been <laughs> yes, I've, I've been a fan since the womb. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so nice of you. Thank you. Yes, um, of course. So um, I, we have never met in person. This is our first time meeting, but um, I have seen you before in concert. I saw you at Lollapalooza in 2018 and that was oh, really cool. exciting. That was right after Super Sunset. So that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, this episode is actually made possible by Left of Center Productions. So thank you, Linda, there for making this possible. I'm very excited to talk to Allie today and interview her about her music because I'm obviously a fan. <laughs> so I guess we'll start out. I like to talk about the artist's um, relationship with their fans. So if you'd like to talk a little bit about your fan base or how you interact with them, especially now that we're in quarantine, it's kind of hard. Yeah. Um, when I started making music I did not have fans for a long time um before Ali X ever you know was a thing I I was trying to find my sound for a while and I used to do a lot of just live gigs in Toronto thinking I'd get like discovered which yeah, I yeah. learned is not how it works anymore <laughs> but um so for a long time, I didn't have fans. I just had great friends that were musicians that would come to my shows. And so when I played my first show, which was actually a year after Catch even came out, it was such a strange thing for me to have fans in front of me in the audience singing the words to my songs. Like, I guess I should have expected that, but I didn't. And I just felt so like, wow, so this is what it's like. My relationship with my fans is so important to me. I know that's like what every, literally every celebrity says, but what you realize when you've been in the entertainment industry for some time is that you're surrounded by a lot of bullshit and the, the, peop the people that buy your records and buy tickets to see you and send you messages of support and like that stuff's all great in sustaining me as a business, but then just they, they listen to me. Like I have the privilege of being heard by some people and those people are my fans. And, and um, I know I'm just rambling here, but, but it's very significant and it is the thing that keeps me going now. Um, and it's evolved from that first show that I did where I was like, wow, cool, I have fans to this point where I'm like, like, I, I literally think of them as completely integral to the project. I no longer care to work with so many people uh, on the executive side of the industry. Everything that I do is with the knowledge that I have fans who believe in what I make. Um, so <laughs> big answer, but that's, yeah. that's just what came to mind when you asked that as the first question. Yes. I really appreciate that was such a thoughtful answer probably like one of the best I've had so I really appreciate oh, good. <laughs> that. yeah that's it's very true I think I, I love listening to artists and supporting artists who care so deeply about their fans so that's really like special to hear an artist put it in that way so I can definitely I think all fans relate to that and feeling supported 
um, right back by the artist. So that's really yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yes, I agree. So yeah, now I'd just like to talk a little bit about your relationship with music growing up, um, kind of like the music you listened to growing up, and then kind of what you gravitated towards once you started getting into, you know, making music or just, you know, growing up and developing your own taste. Being a singer and uh, getting to sing was more important to me as a kid than the actual like, like, I, I, I did love music, definitely. But it was the expression side of it and the fantasy and the escape, I think that really drew me into this as a profession. I was like a melancholic kid and I always related to like, I don't know, like the Little Mermaid. Um, even before the Disney movie came out, I, I, I used to read like the, the, uh, the fairy tale, which is actually like super tragic. Yeah. But I just related to like this girl with this pain that had a voice and like there's all just something always in me that that liked that um and so yeah I always knew that I wanted to sing because I guess it's just always been my way of expressing myself um growing up I listened to yeah I listened to like a lot of Disney movies as a kid and um I just I loved like pop music I mean I I was when I discovered Mariah Carey, my life was like forever changed. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how I learned how to sing, was imitating her and Celine Dion and Whitney Houston. Um, not that I ever got as good as them, but um, you know, I, they definitely taught me how to do riffs and ad libs mm -hmm. and stuff just by oh, me yeah. singing. Um, and my parents used to play like Motown and, and, uh, every Sunday, my dad would play like psychedelic, uh, rock. And so like, that's kind of all embedded in my, in my childhood, but it really wasn't until, oh, and I was studying classical music and music theater for a while. So I was totally like a theater nerd and I was aware of, um, a lot of classical comp composers, both as a singer and as a pianist. So like. Brahms, Bach, Schubert, mm -hmm. blah, blah, Mozart. Um, but it wasn't until I graduated from college that I actually properly started listening to music and not only listening to like the voice, um, which is embarrassing, but um, it's true. So that's when I started like listening to like um, free form, like jazz and like uh, a lot of just like experimental stuff. And I started hearing drums and bass and um, a lot of like electronic music. A lot of, I was, I, I became friends with people in the Toronto scene that were in the indie rock uh, community. And so I just started becoming aware of a lot of like Canadian indie bands, broken social scene, you know, like uh, Feist, um, yeah. And like my whole world was changed at that point because I'd been so like limited in what I'd <clears throat> been listening to. And, and yeah, a whole world of possibilities musically started to open up at that point. But I was a super late bloomer. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's crazy because I feel like I can hear like all of the things you mentioned, like influencing your music in some way. Like I feel like the, the Disney and the jazz, like all of that, like I can totally see that. Like, creeping its way in even subconsciously like into your music um do you have a favorite like Disney soundtrack like do you think there's a specific movie that either influenced you or you think just has the best songs well I I haven't been like following Disney movies for like the last 15 years but definitely like growing up I think my favorites were definitely Little Mermaid like 
just she was like just my soul sister um and then I feel like the Hercules soundtrack was that's what really I was waiting good. For that's the best one I was waiting for you to hear to say that yeah I think like Ariana Grande like covered a song from mm. from that um I mean they're they're all really good but yeah those those two come to mind right away yeah I was hoping you would say Hercules because I am just like, <laughs> you're out a hero in no time flat <laughs> I love that one and that. Mulan's great too but oh yeah Mulan is good so I was just wondering if you had a favorite <laughs> um so yeah would you consider yourself a stan then now like do you like I mean you mentioned Mariah Carey but do you ha- are you like a stan yourself because you definitely have a lot of stands but would you I'm, I do not consider myself a stan and though I love pop music I don't actually listen to it that much anymore what I listen to is like these days a lot of like goth and new wave mm. um I think that's probably because it's no longer like it's so much a part of my job to make pop music and to know what's going on in the pop sphere as a writer like if I'm trying to write for a radio or for another artist or whatever um and it brings out this sort of analytic competitive side in me so yeah I don't I I, when I'm like just trying to feel good like I'm listening to like Cocteau Twins or something (laughs) classics like I I went through a weird like new wave phase like in like a month or so ago and I mean I grew up on it too so I just like rediscovered it and I'm like it's just so good like it's just a specific mood but I totally get it yeah (laughs) that's interesting that you say you like compare your music to or like kind of analyze what you're listening to if it's pop I I've never heard that but I can definitely understand that I feel like I would be try try writing pop music for a living then you'll (laughs) then you'll see (laughs) I was gonna say I feel like I'm definitely at least because I I do like painting and drawing I definitely compare myself to that like to other artists I'm like yeah whereas if if I'm doing painting or drawing there's no pressure whatsoever and it's purely (laughs) enjoyment yeah Yeah, so I can definitely understand that (laughs) Um, so yeah, I guess now I'd love to know a little bit about your experience in quarantine this past year, um, kind of how that's changed. Cause your album came out like right when that started. And, yeah. um, I just love to know like how you've been staying connected with fans over this time and what you're looking forward to as things kind of go back to normal. Uh, staying connected with fans just, you know, through social media and, um, there were a lot of virtual concerts happening in the beginning. I kind of got tired of that, um, yeah. <laughs> but I did them. And then I did I did my own that I directed myself. And that I felt like that was kind of like my moment in the latter half of 2020 to like really connect to fans again. Um, around the time of Cape God release, pandemic had started in Asia, but people here still weren't really taking it seriously. So I did have like two or three weeks of um, a normal release, which was, which was, that was really, it's always really fun when you release an album. I kind of had a dry spell with, with writing when the pandemic started. I, I just stopped for a bit and then actually went to back to Canada this summer. Then I started um, producing again, which was, something I hadn't done in a while and that got me really inspired and excited about making my next record and so um, that's kind of what I've been up to among other random creative things mostly to do with like renovating my condo (laughs) I've been doing a lot of that I built a ceiling closet 
um, but yeah, it's been it's been weird. It's been good. I've I've I for me personally, I've enjoyed having like time to reflect and sort of organize my life. Yeah, I felt like that the first couple of months, and now I'm like, I just want to be around people again. But yeah. I, I definitely felt that the first month or two, um, because I'm I was in college at the time, and I was like, oh, this is kind of a nice break. Like I don't have to be on yeah. college, whatever. Um, but yeah, I definitely understand that. Uh, it's nice to take a break, but now I'm like, all right, that's enough of a break. <laughs> but a lot of people are feeling like that. Yeah. Yeah. What does 2021 have in store for you then? I know things are very uncertain, but if you have any like short-term goals or projects that you're working on, you obviously don't have to tell any secrets, but if you have any that you'd like to <laughs> yeah, share. Yeah, I've got a few things up my sleeve, um, but yeah, it, it's, I kind of see this mostly as time to just write the next body of work and do it really well. And yeah, I think I'll probably just have another year similar to last year where I just, you know, keep uh, keep things more low key, less stressful, probably go back to Canada again in the summer. I'm just enjoying nature, going for a lot of hikes. Um, yeah, more in, more work on uh, my interior decoration side. I, I, I'm really like, it's so weird because I'm so I have been <clears throat> such a workaholic and so ambitious with like all these huge goals every year. And since the pandemic started, I've just been like letting things flow and not putting pressure on me and life keeps going and I, and I keep making a living and I keep growing my project. And, you know, like I kind of realized like, girl, you don't have to be so intense about everything all the time. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah good lesson for me too I need to take that advice <laughs> a workaholic. yeah it's I mean I, I love and I still keep myself really really busy but it's just in terms of the actual like saying yes to every session every writing session like I would have or or saying yes to every opportunity to like be seen online somewhere it's just like mm, well I don't I don't feel the need yeah no I definitely I will take that advice now. <laughs> um, uh, so I have some fan questions for you. Okay. The first one is, which of your albums do you believe shares the most insight about you as a person? Cape God. I yeah. love that album. I just must say, I love that album. <laughs> yeah. The creative direction, I was just going to say, of that album, I was obsessed. The photo shoots, obviously you and Iris Van Herpen, I was obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> bit of a bit of a fashion nerd there huh yes <laughs> yeah I I um I'm really proud of my creative direction for that record it was it was truly like I, I always creative direct but with Cape God I I really felt like because we had to shoot all of it in nature uh like it was more complicated than usual it's not yeah. like a one-day thing in a studio in LA or whatever and yeah I feel proud like I made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cape God is definitely the most personal. I, th I don't think it was until this point in my life that I felt comfortable telling the story of me as a teenager. Um, I wasn't ready. And so, and I mean, the, the most painful things that happen to us are really the ones that, that carve us into who we are. Um, that's what I believe. And so I think, yeah, that time was very uh yeah Im important in who I am now and and therefore telling that story definitely reveals a lot about just like yeah who I am yeah 
I definitely agree. And being a teenager is just like the worst. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're not too far out of <laughs> that time. It's like a distant memory for me. But yeah, like still so visceral. Now I feel like if you remember, if you like think about it for too long, you're like, oh, I'm right back in it. So <laughs> anyways, but I kind of miss being a teen too. I feel like right now, at least like on TikTok, I don't know. I was a teen like in 2014. I was a freshman in high school, 2013. And I feel like that era, like Tumblr, you know, black and white, like it's all getting like romanticized now. Like, this is really weird. Like, I don't feel like I'm that old to be like- I know, I know. I remember like when that started happening to me in my twenties and and now I'm in my thirties and I'm just like, I literally am like old now. Like, it's just, it's like, just le- just letting go of the idea that I'm like a, a youngster. Oh my God, no. <laughs> like stuff- I look back at photos from high school and I'm like, these literally look like old fashioned photos. <laughs> oh my God, I'm, not, I'm not ready for that. Like, yeah. <clears throat> it's going to be like, yeah. a weird, like I'm, I'm embracing it, but it's, it is, especially as a woman, it's quite a transition oh, to yeah. make. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so next question. Um, you're definitely an artist known for extremely artistic aesthetic choices. We were just talking about um, <laughs> for your albums. Uh, what are some of your major aesthetic inspirations, and what inspirations are you looking at for your next album slash era? Um, well, I can't reveal too much about yeah. that, but I'll give you some hints. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I always I always just I just save images all the time. The, the stuff that informed the beginning of my project was definitely like a lot of stuff that I found on Tumblr. I like images that invoke like feelings that sort of contradict each other. So like beauty and revolt at the same time, or like, um, yeah, something that's kind of grotesque, um, but also glamorous or something that's like a, like a, just a picture of like a, a moment in time that, that, I don't know, stuff that sort of like just brings up nostalgic feelings and abstract feelings about being alive. That's always kind of like the the, the imagery that I'm drawn to. Um, and of course, just like great fashion moments as well. Um, but yeah, like growing up, I, 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 rem- I have so many memories of my mom getting so mad at me because I would never smile for a picture. And um, I used to think I'm so unphotogenic and like, and it's and as I sort of like discovered my style and like uh, my I don't know just kind of like how I how I fit into my visual world I've actually become really comfortable in front of the camera and and yeah it's because I don't have to smile I don't have to look happy I don't have to look any I, I get to just express like um, I don't know what's what's inside of me so that's been like a, a, a cool thing that's happened to me. <clears throat> through doing all this visual work. <clears throat> yeah. I sound like I have COVID, but I just have something <laughs> stuck in my throat. Really <clears> I always bring water because my mouth always dries out when I like record because I get nervous. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. And then you have done a lot of work with singer Troy Sivan, whether it was working on his debut album or your recent collaboration on Cape God, one of my favorite songs, by the way. Um, do you have any favorite things uh, that you two have worked on together or any songs that you haven't shared yet? Yeah, we definitely have songs that people haven't heard um, just because we've written so much. Love Me Wrong is definitely one of my favorite things we've done. Um, a song called Bite from Blue Neighborhood, I really like. Good side from Bloom, I really like. 
there's only like one or two songs that haven't been that good. And, and Troy would know exactly which ones I'm talking about. Cause we just like make fun of them, but yeah, it's always, it's always fun. It's always pretty quality the stuff we make together with um, Leland and yeah. Graham. Yeah. Love me wrong was gorgeous. And I love the good side. I don't think I realized that you helped work on that one, but I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really special song. And then I have another question. What was it like working with Mitski on Susie Save Your Love? How did the collaboration come about? It came about because I, I was, uh, I was with my friend, Nate Campany, who's a writer and he referenced Mitski. And I was like, I, I was like, Mitski, who's that? I've never heard of her. And he played, um, America is it called American your American girl yeah your best American girl your best American girl he played that for me and I just flipped out I was like this is amazing then I started going through her whole discog like and I was just listening to puberty too over and over and um yeah so I had my team reach out and I actually really didn't expect that she'd want to work with me because I'm like a pop singer and she's like I don't know indie rock you know and and sometimes there's a feeling about the two crossing over, especially when I heard her work and it was so authentic. I'm like, she's probably gonna listen to my stuff and, you know, feel like it's not for her. But I was wrong. She did. She she already. I think she already knew me or knew of me. And yeah, so we ended up doing a session with Nate, Campany, and Kyle Shearer, and we wrote "Susie Save Your Love" that day. It was our first session, wow. and Mitski and I like both were so excited about it. She wasn't going to feature on it. I asked her if she wanted to, and she's like, oh, I, I love it, but I don't do features. And then a couple months later, she came back and was like, can I, is the offer still there? And I was like, of course. Wow. And so, yeah, I was, I was thrilled. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, is Puberty 2 your favorite, like, project of hers? I think so. I They're all that. amazing, but yeah. that one, I bet on Losing Dogs is just like, yeah <laughs> no so many of her songs are just like a knife to the heart like it's so yeah awesome. yeah she's really good at knife to the heart stuff yeah but that's really cool I can't believe like the first day you guys like wrote together that was the song that came about that's crazy. yeah yeah it was magic and we ended up writing two three more songs together which haven't no one's heard them they were all pretty good too <laughs> hmm. maybe someday <laughs> maybe someday um okay and then I I watched a couple of your interviews so I know you get this question a lot but um you have a big LGBTQ following and fan base I do yes <laughs> <laughs> at least all the people I know who love <laughs> um when did you first notice uh that you were popular among this demographic and what does it mean to you as an ally I noticed I was popular among the dem demographic 15 years before the AliEx project came out. <laughs> um, yeah, like the gays have just always been my friends, my best friends. Yeah. They literally got me through like high school while I was being bullied slash ignored by all straight males. And um, I went to musical theater college. So of course, like there were... I had so many gay friends there and, and then within the theater industry when I did that for a couple of years. Yeah. So I don't know. Basically what I'm saying is like it, it existed before I even started making music and it just makes sense to me that my, my, my demographic would be queer because that's just kind of what I, where I've always been in, where, what, probably just like what I, what energy I project. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
the gays like good music so i mean (laughs) it's just it's just what you attract (laughs) (laughs) um okay and if you could choose three words to describe the music you're currently working on what would you pick synthesizer Giorgio Moroder (laughs) that's not a word but it's a person and New Order which is also a band interesting and then I have one more question what is your biggest fear (laughs) I mean I think fear like I think we're all really scared of dying even though we don't think about it like if we think we're invincible Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think about death very much but that's probably my deepest fear and I don't even realize it Uh, I think not being heard is really hard for me I'm so glad that I get to do what I do because I feel like I really need, like I need to be heard and acknowledged. And I think that's what was so hard about like some some of the times during my adolescence is like I had so much to say and I felt like I was being ignored or belittled. And um, yeah, so like, it's not, I'm not saying like I need to be like famous, but I, I really need to, be heard I need I need people to know how I feel about things and and not having that sounds like kind of a diff it would would be really difficult for me to to go on without without that yeah sounds like a very Leo fear (laughs) oh my god it's I was gonna say that I'm such a Leo in that sense yeah I'm like a Leo rising so I can (laughs) I definitely have my moments where I'm like attention and like (laughs) yeah I'm like I am attention seeking for sure so at least I can relate (laughs) yeah um okay and then I have a little song association game where I just ask a question and you answer with a song that comes to mind um name a song that inspired you to start writing songs Maybe like Mushaboom by Feist. Feist. <laughs> what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, The Power of Love, Celine Dion. I kill that one. I would love to hear that. <laughs> what is your most played song from last year? I don't know if you know, like through your Spotify wrapped or whatever, but what would you say? Um, so definitely this, the Smith song. I think it's called, yeah, How Soon Is Now? Name a song from your discography that you think is underrated. Alexandra. And what is one of your all-time favorite songs? I feel like that's the hardest one, but. <laughs> um, Dancing Queen by ABBA. So good. I My friends and I have been on like an ABBA kick. We're like, they just have so many classics. <laughs> they re- they're really good. Yeah. And then the last thing I have is just a current favorites. I like to plug if you have a current favorite song or artist that you've been into, um, feel free to plug them and promote them a little bit. So do you have any that you've been listening to? Yeah, there's this artist called, I just have to look up her name to make sure I'm going to pronounce it right. Alice Longyu Gao. Mm, yes. I have a song called it. Scam. So good. <laughs> scam, scam, scam. You are a scam. I love her. I saw her DJ once at like an event and she was playing like such great songs, like the best DJ I've seen. And I was like, I loved her. And then when she started putting out like her actual music, I was like, this is iconic. So I can- Yeah, she DJ, there's a party in LA called Heaven that I do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think I met her there, but I, I only listened to her music recently. And, and I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> It's just like, it's so like funny. Like, I feel like she brings like such humor into her songs too. Um, yeah. love. 
um honestly I think my honestly glam is one of my favorite songs right now (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely I'm glad I put it out it was it was sitting in the in the archives for too long yes yeah I I can't believe I didn't even I like that was on the list for collection one then I decided not to release it and I should have it's a bop yeah what was your um like draw to release it. I, I know you've done that before releasing like older songs later on. Um, what do you find like fulfilling about that to release some songs from the archive? Well, I mean, with a lot of other songs that you're probably thinking of, like I always knew they just, they'd be right for some album at some point. And, and with Glam, it wasn't really that. It's actually, it's actually like that I put this special edition of collection one and two out that has a bunch of songs that leaked. I just had this sort of realization. I was like, all my fucking songs have leaked. Like I might as well put them out and make a, at least in some form. Um, so that was my thinking behind that. And then because they were out on physical, I was like, ah, I should do a digital release of one of them. And, and glam just felt like the right one. Just like, I feel like everyone needs like a little fantasy and a little pick me up right now. So it felt appropriate. And it also feels like reflective because it was, I wrote it when I first came to LA before I'd even put anything out as Aliax. And it really just sort of like embodies that moment of a, like, like a singer arriving to LA and like trying to make it. And yeah. I'm at such a different place now. It was kind of cool, like putting that out and, and reflecting on that. It's so fun. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you're planning on restocking that vinyl, but I didn't get to get one and I'll <laughs> get to get one. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will at some point. Um, yeah, we, 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 we would, we get it printed in small batches. Cause you yeah. just, I mean, I'm not a huge artist, so you don't know, but they sold out so quick. Um, yeah, I'll do another one at some point. Hooray, the fans will be happy to hear that. Because <laughs> yeah. I see your replies. I know people are like, please restock. So I was like, let me plug that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I, other than that, I mean, Rebecca Black just put out a remix for Friday, which I think is hilarious and amazing. Oh, she did? I saw that she put out a new song. I didn't know there was a remix for Friday. Yeah, That's amazing. It, it was like the 10-year anniversary, I think, today as we're filming this. It's the 10-year anniversary of it. Wow. Crazy. Because I actually, I genuinely unironically loved that song when I was a kid. You unironically loved it? Oh, yeah. I was like, so cool. <laughs> Good for you. And so I, I loved it. And I remember I was like teaching voice lessons at the time. That was like my 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 job to get by. And my students came in and was like, you have to see this song. And I was like, this is amazing. So good. Um, but yeah, like Dorian Electra's on it and 303 and Big Frida and Dylan Brady produces it. It's just such a great, like it's the it amazing pop song. So funny. I love I love Dorian. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. So <laughs> if you haven't checked that out, check it out. <laughs> I will. Um, okay. Yeah. So I think that's everything. So with that being said, please stream Glam, everyone who's listening and Cape God and the rest of AliX's discography because it's immaculate. And <laughs> uh, thank where- you. Immaculate. Yes. <laughs> and uh, where can we find you on social media? I believe it's AliX on Instagram and Twitter and on TikTok. I am AliX. Right. Yeah, but I like I just I'm not active on TikTok, but I'm gonna try to be. So follow me everywhere, guys. Your song went viral on there though, didn't it? At least Yeah, yeah. I figured like the song's viral, like I'll just sit back and Yeah. (laughs) It's so much work 
so much work doing TikToks. I know. I, I say it every time. I'm like, I really, I have TikTok. Like I'll go on like my For You page. I get such chaotic videos on my For You page. I don't know who they think I am, but it's always, <laughs> it's always funny. So I don't really care, but um, I never make TikToks. So I'm, I'm like, it looks like way too much for me. You only, like get lucky the first. It's a lie. Yeah. Like trying to learn all those dances. <laughs> Yeah, or the trends. Like there was a time during the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, all right, I'm going to buckle down and do this TikTok thing. And then after a week, I was like, eh, I wanted, I'd rather like, I'd rather do things in real life. I do love that like songs that have been out for years are like coming back um, into like popularity because of- Yeah, that. no, I mean, for the, mu- for, for the music industry, TikTok is like the most important thing right now. Yeah. I think music in- industry is changing so rapidly. And I, I just picture all the, the like executives at the major labels, like sitting around a huge boardroom table being like, what are we going to do about TikTok? Like they just don't <laughs> even know what's going on. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) Okay. Yes. And with that all being said, um, you can listen to this episode on Spotify, iTunes. You can watch it on YouTube. You can follow Both Sides of the Barricade on Instagram at Both Sides of the Barricade. Follow us on Twitter at BSOTB Pod, the acronym and then Pod. Um, My Instagram and Twitter are JTaylorLDR. Um, Please follow, subscribe, like, download, rate, comment, all of that. Allie, thank you so much for being on. This is like a dream. I'm. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Best of luck with the podcast. Thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next week with another episode. Bye. Bye.